Good evening, it's Friday night and that means it's time for The Racing Show here on Three Valleys Radio. On the show tonight we've got our usual array of jockeys and trainers. All the racing news and fixtures. Richard Phillips and Simon Holt have a look at the last two days of Royal Ascot. John Franken reminisces. And Colin Brown and Dave Wilson give us their recommendations for the weekend. Get your pens and papers ready and let's hope we can find a few winners for you. Good evening everybody, welcome to The Racing Show here on Three Valleys Radio. This is Adie Hopper here and uh, we've got a pretty full show as usual for you. But we'll start off as we always do with all the news from the racing media with Mike Patton. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News, with all the news that is the news in the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden and here's this week's first story. Jump jockey Brian Carver is planning to be back in action within the next two months after rupturing his spleen in a skiing accident in France. The 24-year-old was airlifted to hospital in Grenoble and spent a week in intensive care following a fall on the slopes while on a post-season holiday with other jockeys at the end of April. Having returned safely to Britain, the Irish-born rider is starting to take the next step in his rehabilitation. He said, It's coming along slowly and will probably take longer than ideal. I'm feeling an awful lot better though. Everything seems to be going the right way. And, hopefully, I'll be back at the end of July to the start of August. I did my spleen at grade 4 level, and it takes six weeks to be able to do light activity and more time before it can take impact and I can come back racing. At the moment, I'm light walking, but in the next few days, I'm hoping to start doing more in the gym and swimming, and then in a few weeks, I'll go to Oaksey House in Lambourne. Carver, who went away with fellow jockeys Angus Cheleda, Fergus Gillard and Ben Godfrey, suffered the fall on the last day of the holiday and did not realise the damage he had done until a couple of hours later when his body went into shock. He said, I was out there for two weeks in total and thankfully the journey back from France went very smoothly. I had a check-up after being in England for two weeks and the doctors were happy and I won't see them again until the end of July when I'll hopefully get the all clear. While other injuries curtailed his campaign last season, Carver gained 15 winners, having racked up 34 in 2020-21 and managed to ride out his claim in April. Next, here on the Racing News. Alistair Ralph has praised the staff at Utoxeter after the trainer's butler's brief was brought home safely from an accident which caused an almost two-hour delay to racing on Thursday night. After falling at the fourth-last fence in the three-mile novice handicap chase, butler's brief ran loose to the third-last, fell into it and became wedged in the fence. Vets were required to sedate the seven-year-old in order to cut him out safely, meaning the third race, which had been due off at 6.35, was delayed while he was safely removed and transported away from the ditch. The race then did not get underway until 8.20. 
Officials initially planned to stage four of the five remaining races, with the closing bumper abandoned, but after Al Rock won the severely delayed two-mile four-furlong handicap chase, the penultimate two-mile four-furlong handicap hurdle was shelved with time and daylight running out. Ralph said, Butler's brief is fine this morning. He's gone out in the paddock, obviously a bit stiff, but he's okay. After his fall at the previous ditch, I think he sort of dazed himself. He went to the next fence, trotting half days, not concentrating, and stopped. Fell sideways into the ditch, and then got wedged into it. We couldn't get him out, so we went under general anaesthetic to knock him out. We had to cut him out of the ditch. I don't think anyone's seen that before. Ralph was full of praise for the veterinary staff at the course, who got Butler's brief home safely. The vets were absolutely unbelievable. They were very well organised, Ralph added. The whole track was very well organised. We got him out, but he just took so long to wake up from the general anaesthetic. He's got a big hangover this morning from the general anaesthetic, but he's fine. Arena Racing Company Head of Communications and Public Affairs Sam Cohn praised the staff and explained why the delay was so long. It was a real team effort to try and help the horse and get him out of the situation he was in and get him home safely, which is what they managed to achieve. It was a really unusual situation. When you're dealing with horses, obviously you have to be as careful as possible not to hurt them, as well as keep the staff safe who are trying to help the horse as well. On Thursday afternoon, Utoxeter released a statement that informed connections of affected runners, jockeys, on-course bookmakers and racegoers of compensation due to the abandoned races. It read... For the inconvenience that the delay and race abandonment caused, connections of all horses that were due to run in the last two races will receive compensation along with any jockey that did otherwise not get to ride. Customers who booked in advance will receive an email today with an offer of a complimentary ticket to a future fixture at Utoxida Racecourse and all on-course bookmakers standing last night will receive a pro rata refund for the abandoned races. And next, here on the Racing News. Anyone wondering why Ryan Moore is favourite to recapture the title of top jockey at Royal Ascot had their questions answered on the Knavesmire? For sure, the man who has taken the crown eight times since 2010 will have the mighty horsepower of the Ballydoyle Battalions on his side next week. But he also brings an awful lot to the table himself, as he showed on 15-2 shot Harry 3 in the Pavers Foundation Catherine Memorial Sprint. The former champion brought his mount from an unpromising position at halfway in the £100,000 dash to power home up the stands rail and take a hugely competitive handicap off second top weight by two and three-quarter lengths. He's a nice horse, Moore said of the winner. He did everything well. He relaxed and quickened up well. He got there easily and was very dominant. There probably won't be too many more handicaps for him. Harry Three had been progressing well through a trio of three-year-old handicaps at Newmarket, and his trainer Clive Cox was delighted by what he saw of the race from Sandown. It's bloody marvellous. He was given a great ride, Cox said. I was worried at halfway. We were last, I think, from where I was watching on my phone at Sandown. There aren't enough hours in the day to get to York, I'm afraid, but my God, he found it, didn't he? Colts, who is set to have his biggest ever team at Ascot with 16 runners planned, will now step Harry 3 up in class. I'm really pleased with him, he said. He's progressed all the way and he's made another step forward today. 
Mentally, he's taken time to mature, but the great thing is he has that turn of foot, and the way he switched off suggests he will cope when he steps up in grade. Ingratore started 7-2 favourite in a field of 19, having beaten the winner at Newmarket on 2000 Guineas Day, but he could only finish 11th here. Trainer Mick Shannon's representative could offer no explanation for the Colts' performance. And next, here on the Racing News. Mohammed Al-Baid Al-Maktoum won the Ebor with Fujeria Prince in 2020, and the owner could be back to bid for the £500,000 handicap again this summer. His, without a fight, earned a 12-to-1 quote from the sponsors after landing the listed Skybet Grand Cup run over the same distance as York's signature handicap and the last of four races which gives its winner a guaranteed place in the field on August 20th. Winning jockey Andrea Atzini said, We won the Ebor before and the boss Sheikh Mohammed Al-Baid loves the race, so that may be an option. Without a fight, was dropped in class and upped in trip after finishing third in a Group 3 over one mile four furlongs at Newbury last month. It was a bit of a messy race, Atzini said, after his lengthened three-quarter victory. We didn't go very quick, and I wanted to give him half a chance today, because we tried him over a mile and six before, and we weren't sure whether he was going to stay or not. He's grown up a lot since. He was a little bit keen early, but he got into a nice rhythm, and the further he went, the better he was. Adzini wore the same colours when landing the two-year-old maiden on Cold Case, a 160,000 guineas son of showcasing, who reminded his trainer Carl Burke of his dual Group 1 winner, Quiet Reflection, by the same sire. Burke has a strong team of juveniles, but said, I love this one. He's been my favourite all the way through. When I saw him as a yearling, I thought he was the nearest thing I'd seen by showcasing to quiet reflection. Thankfully, Sheikh Mohammed Al-Bayed gave me a budget to have a go at him, and we got him. He's a lovely horse. It's not quite going to happen as quickly as I hoped, but he's a nice one for later this year and next year. And with a headline of Alice Pulls Off Cup Shock, here's our final story on this week's Racing News. Switching to the flat paid off handsomely for jockey Alice Stevens, who has ridden more than 50 winners in point-to-points and six jumps winners under rules. She won her weight in Ayala Champagne after landing the £25,000 Queen Mother's Cup for women amateur riders on Zealandia, an ex-French 33-to-1 shot who was scoring on his first run for trainer Ian Williams. I can count on two hands how many times I've ridden on the flat, and that's my second winner. But it went really smoothly, said Stevens. Ian said he didn't know much about the horse and it was a fact-finding mission, but it went swimmingly. He was a dream ride. He got into a lovely rhythm and did it very easily. Even though I managed to drop the reins, he still won. This has been this week's Racing News with me, Mike Padden, with all the news that is the news from the racing media, which includes Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. Join us again next time. Thanks for listening. Okay, let's have a look and see where we can go racing this weekend. There are seven races on flat at Ascot with a 2.30 start, seven races on the flat at Ayr with a 1.14 start, seven races on the flat at Newmarket on the July course with a 1.32 start. Seven races on the flat at Redcar with a 1.37 start. Seven races over the jumps at Perth with a 1.42 start. Um, 
one race on the flat at Down Royal in Ireland with a 4.25 star. And there are seven races on the flat at Lingford on the all-weather with a 5.18 star. And finally, six races on the flat at Haydock with a 6 o'clock start. And Sunday, seven races over the jumps at Worcester with a 1.30 start. Seven races over the jumps at Hexham with a 1.45 start. And seven races on the flat at Pontefract with a 3.45 start. Well, as you all know, I love talking to racing people and I was lucky enough to have a chat with John Frankham just recently. And we started by talking about John's time when he was a rider for Fred Winter. Obviously, the things you learn in those early days are going to be with you forever. And, and with a man like Fred Winter, I should think, you know, everything was spot on. But I was reading an article where apparently um, you were worried that uh, because you've been seen talking to a jockey a, a jockey a bookmaker um that he might have been upset that you know thinking that you might have pulled horses or what have you and his, his comment back to you i thought was brilliant yeah so that was seems a long time ago now um it was during a time when um uh, you weren't meant to talk to bookmakers these days jockeys talk to them all the time they advertise for them but in those days it was frowned upon um, and so I found it interesting. I rode a horse called Stop in the Imperial Cup at Standdown, and somebody said that I'd stopped it from winning, which was a load of, you know, rock. Yeah. I mean, we we never had a horse that didn't do less than its best in 15 years yeah. of being at Fred Winters. Every horse did its best. They didn't get knocked around. If you hit it more than three times, he'd just put you on the sidelines for for six weeks. You wouldn't have another ride. Um, everything was done exactly how he wanted to and at the end of the year if it made money great and if it didn't that wasn't the end of the world either but he did it he, he trained and did things exactly how he wanted to all the rugs and all the tack everything was in tip-top condition the the hostel where the lads lived was the best that you could get everything was perfect immaculate the house the yard everything was immaculate so bearing in mind that you didn't uh, particularly have any ideas of going race, race riding when you started um, how soon did you sort of you know get into it and think god this is great I'm, I'm enjoying this um i always enjoyed the schooling side of it um there was a time where i thought i wasn't going to um do any good I, I, I rode a winner for somebody called godfrey burr um it was my first ride and it was at worcester and he was a little permit holder who lived just outside of um, Swindon and then I struggled a bit I broke my wrist um, on one of Fred's in a novice chase at Cheltenham and things just didn't particularly go and I, I said to my parents um, I think I'm going to leave at the weekend and I went down to tell him and um, I was down to ride a horse called Oswald Eston and he said look you can ride him at Worcester at the weekend so I stayed and won on him and I think I won about 11 or 12 races on him in the end and if it hadn't been for that little horse I, I would have packed up and gone back into dealing in cars or helping my dad building or doing something mm. um, and I owed him a lot. Yeah absolutely so looking back you, you, you in, in seven championships you must have ridden god knows how many horses um, can you pick the top five for me in reverse order and why? Oh. God, in reverse order, Bella Hill lad's got to be up there. He mm. was a massive, big horse that um, Jenny Pittman trained. He won a gold club. I didn't ride him in the gold club, but I won a King George on him and I won a Hennessy on him. 
Um, he was a big powerhouse. He was a little bit like Denman. Mm. Um, he'd be up there. Sea Pigeon, obviously, won a champion hurdle, um, had a lot of speed. Um, a very good horse that uh, Richard had trained called Border Incident, who I probably would have won a gold cup on if I hadn't fallen off him. Um, but he had a lot of ability. He won that um, embassy chase final up at Haydock, and he won the players hurdle um, final at Chepstow. He was an absolute top-class horse. He was plagued with injury, um, but on his day, he was um, really good. Um, and then I rode plenty of good horses. I must have ridden the favourite in the Grand National on umpteen occasions, but without winning it. Um, Rough and Tumble, was a good horse. I finished second on him one year. Grittar, I rode. I, I tell everybody I rode five Grand National winners, which I did, but sadly never on the day that they were winning the entry. <laughs> um, no, they played, you know, lot, lots of good horses. Uh, Little Bay was a good horse. Uh, Wayward Lad, Silver Buck. Um, can you, can you single one out as being the best? Um, if I had to go back and ride one again, interestingly, you know, one of the nicest horses I ever rode was Looks Like Trouble. Um, I went and rode him oh, a long time after I'd retired, but he was at an old chances yard and he was um, favourite for the Gold Cup. He was, I was very impressed with him. Really well-mannered horse. Um, lots to like about him. But of the ones I rode, probably Burial Lad was the best of them. Hmm. Did did you say earlier just now that you rode Denman or you you compared him to Denman? No, he was very much like Denman. I never rode Denman, but um, Burial Lad was a similar stamp. Very big, you know, he's like a proper tank. Well, that was the great John Frankham, and what an interesting guy he is to chat to. Now we're going to catch up with our jockeys and trainers, and we're going to start with Rod Millman down in Colompton. Well, afternoon, Rod. Thanks for joining us as usual. Um, I see Devon Envoy won again. Yes, no, he's been a star this year. Um, yes, that's two on the trotties run. Yeah. One, and um, no, very good. I mean, he's owned by a group of um, farmers and their friends up in North Devon. Right. And uh, they, they bought him the sales and the mother at the sale as a foal. And they've had great fun raising him and having fun on the racetrack. It's the third win. This, third win for him. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's good, and I mean, when we saw him at Salisbury, I mean, he absolutely roared home, didn't he? It was a brilliant uh, performance. <clears throat> no, um, he's a um, very game horse, and um, good fun for them, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But looking at, uh, you haven't got much over the weekend, but you have on Monday you got on oh, hell of a whole lot of horses out. Uh, can we talk for a few of them? Yeah, well, we've got um, Handy Talk won't run now. He started coughing, unfortunately, so he'll have a couple of weeks off. Right. Um, we've, we've got quite a few runners at uh, Windsor. Yeah. Um, we've got Soy Doy. She's in the first. She was second uh, last time in a, in a maiden at Bath. Um, she was handicapping this time. Right. So it'll be interesting to see if she goes against professionals. Yeah. And then Jennepi, Gine- is it? Yeah, she she probably won't run. She's um having another. She's probably a fortnight off a race. Really, it just might have come a bit soon that race. So yeah. we'll Give her a bit more time. Madam Pickle. Uh, she's another homebred. She's having her first race on the racetrack. Um, she's actually from the Oval area. Is she? Um, so yeah. She's bred there, so um, she she will hopefully um, have a good campaign. But it's her first race, so um, you know, first day at school. So my horses normally come on for the race. Yeah, yeah, quite. I love the name though, Madam Pickle. It was brilliant. And then, yeah. of course, our old friend Abel Kane on Monday as well. Yeah, he's been. A, he had a great year last year, but he went very high in the handicap. So 
he was probably running above himself, and he had services Oshin Murphy all last year. Yeah. So um, this is a, he's dropping in grade a bit, um, but he's coming down the handicap, and it won't be long before he's competitive again. And then finally, Miss Anako. Well, she's this will be her last race for us. She's in the sales at the uh, end of the month. Yeah. So um, she's won a race and been placed several times. Um, in this sort of grade, she should run a good race. So it'll be nice to get a win with her before she goes to the sales. But but looking at the rest of them, I mean, next Saturday, not this coming Saturday, you've got quite a few out again. So uh, I suppose you can uh, take make a bit of an advantage of having a bit of time off then on Saturday. Well, we've we've had a busy time lately. Um, and we've had 17 winners now up this year, so that's good. Is that on and schedule or um, higher than usual? Pardon? Is that on schedule uh, or higher well, than usual? It, it, well, we had a very good year last year, exceptionally good year last year. Mm. And... Um, but we're going very well at the moment. We had um, we had 24 in the first 24 seconds as well, so it's been very good, really. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, a long let continue run, really. Um, you. But you know, enjoy the weekend for you. Have a nice bit of a break. Okay. Yeah. Okay then, Rod. Thanks for talking well, to us again. Well, thank we'll, you very much. We'll thank speak you. to you next week. Okay. Well, that was Rod Millman, and now we're going to catch up with Nick Schofield, who's on the road to Fosslass. Well, good afternoon, Nick. Uh, on your way to um, or Fosslass? Yeah, Fosslass. That's better, isn't it? Because um, I know where it is because I spent a lot of my youth down that way. But uh, you should go through a little village called Pembray, which is just up the road from Fosslass, I think. So. Uh, it brings back lots of happy memories for me, I tell you. But uh, you've been having a, a bit of a quiet time, um, you know, just having a bit of a rest and not not taking up so many rides lately. Yeah, hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, yeah, no, it's a quiet time. Um, obviously, extreme temperatures at the moment. It's not ideal for um, jump racing. But no. um, uh, we talk a bit of rain on Saturday, so um, we'll get to work for Monday probably and get back to a bit of normality. But June, July, August is probably our... Um, uh, well, September is our quietest month of, of the of the year. So, um, yeah, we're but, um, we're sort of recharged and um, we'll tip away through those months and then get going probably early October. And uh, is it likely to be pretty pretty hard down at uh, Fosslass today? I should think, isn't it? Uh, they assure me they've they've had a lot of water in the system on the. So. That will help, obviously, but I mean, it, it 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 does sort of hinder the horses, doesn't it, when it's this hard? I would have thought. Um, and then, so you've got nothing over the weekend. Then have you then back Monday? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the weekend's quiet for myself um, at the moment. So um, yeah, no, it's um, yeah. Enjoy the weather, I guess. Yeah. Well, you had a winner on that San Giovanni, was it? So uh, yeah, for, for Harry Fry, um, your neck of the woods. So um, that was good. So you just started riding for Harry just lately. I've noticed you picked up a few rides lately with him, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I've known Harry for a very long time and actually rode quite a lot of winners over the years for yeah. him. And um, we used to live, live together about 10 years ago. So um, we go back a long way. And um, uh, yeah, it's good to sort of continue our friendship. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, you have a good good afternoon down at Foss Lass. Give my love to yeah, Pem Pembray you. as you go through. And... Um, I will, yeah. We'll speak to you next week, mate, okay? Yeah, brilliant. Okay, cool. take it easy. See you soon. Nick Schofield there on his way down to Foss Lad. But now we're going to wheel out all our heavy guns on the flat race in front. So we've got Richard Phillips. We've got Colin Brown. We've got Simon Holt from the Racing Post. Um, we're even going to talk to Jamie Snowden about flat racing as well. And, of course, we've also got Dave Wilson. So let's get started straight away by joining Simon Holt.
of the sporting life. Ah, well, good morning, Simon. A glorious morning this morning for the uh, day four at um, Royal Ascot. Um, what have you made of it so far? Well, today is going to be a very sweaty day at Royal Ascot. I'm rather pleased I'm, I'm not there today. I'm, I'm at Ascot on the final day. Yeah. And uh, the racing has been of an exceptional high quality. I think flat racing should be run on fastish ground, ideally. And we've seen some terrific performances. Uh, the meeting began with really a, an easy win for Baid, which was much expected in the Queen Anne Stakes. And he remains unbeaten. And he just looks an incredibly good horse, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. Interesting to see where he goes next. He could go for the Sussex Stakes. I think they've probably got in mind a potential clash with Desert Crown and the Judmont International at York mm. in August. That, that would be intriguing. And then we saw the Australian sprinter Nature Strip absolutely bolt up, didn't he? In the yeah. Stand state. Yeah. He was just different league to our sprinters. I should uh, think Wesley Ward would have been rather embarrassed at his uh, bullish reaction to it before the start of the race. Well, his horse missed the kick and, um, you know, it seems that Irad Ortiz was a little bit distracted by a horse that wasn't going into the stores. That horse was taken out and he wasn't quite ready but I, I just don't think Golden Powell on a straight uphill five furlongs would have ever seen it out as well as Nature Strip. It's just hard to see anything that would have got near Nature Strip. I mean the horse was just outstanding and yeah, Australia yeah. have so many good sprinters Yeah, and um, you know he was just too good for them really He was, and, um, yeah you're right and we moved on to the St. James's Palace Stakes, and it was a very slowly run race, and it resulted in a rather messy finish. The 2,000 Guinness winner, Caribus, I thought, showed plenty of tenacity to win, uh, having had to wait for a run. But the unlucky one had to be Maljoom for the William Haggers team. I mean, he has had a terrible run through and was absolutely flying home. You have to think that he would have won if he'd had better luck. Yeah. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be knocking for Caribus. I mean, he was a hot favourite. I suppose he was expected to win a bit more impressively, but um, it was just a slow pace, and it was quite a good ride, I thought, by Pat Dobbs on loose sail. He was uh, just sort of waiting in front a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, and nearly stole it, actually. And he really just um, had them all all bunched up behind him, and um, he was in the right position, you know. Quite, um, a, quite an underrated jockey, isn't he, Pat Dobbs? He's very good, isn't he? And um, mm. he does very well when he goes over to Dubai in the winter. Yeah. He's a, he's a good pilot. Very good indeed. Mm. Uh, as, as you say, as you suggest, a little bit unsung. Yeah, that. yeah, definitely. And then what else have we had? We've had the Prince of Wales Estates, which um, was won by State of Rest. I mean, uh, again, a little bit underrated, perhaps, State of Rest, but he has won a Cox Plate. And he's a remarkably tough horse. He's won on several in several countries now, mm. and there seem to be um, no excuses for the others, except perhaps for Frankie de Tory's uh, mount, Lord North, because yeah. Frankie didn't get blindfold off. He's having a bit of a mare, actually, isn't he? This week? Yeah, I mean, who, who would have said that after four days, Frankie de Tory wouldn't have had a winner yet? Well, and <laughs> it's just got, it's all gone a bit wrong and mm. went wrong in the Gold Cup yesterday as well um, yeah. he got in a bad position I, I remember saying in the commentary that he seemed to take the horse back in the early stages and um, it, it, I suppose he was just trying to find a way out and he did 
sort of get out slightly going towards the last three furlongs or so, but there was always a horse on his outside, and Ryan Moore wasn't going to let him out. No. And then Mojo Star came down the outside, and he's ended up on Stradivarius, having to go right round the whole lot of them. Yeah. And you have to think it might have cost him the race because he was closing, probably just not closing as much in the last few strides, but he'd had to use up a lot of fuel to mm. get round those horses and make up all that ground. I thought it was most unfortunate. It was a, it was a bit of a, I wouldn't say a downer because it was a great day's racing yesterday, but there was a lot of expectation that Stradivarius might win his fourth Dog yeah, Cup yeah. and the late Yates. And then we had um, the Queen's um, runners as well. Saga just missed out in the Britannia, was flying home. And then the supposed good thing, Reach for the Moon, just couldn't cope with Claymore. And I don't mm. think there were excuses there. Claymore's a really good horse. Um, he has a, a, a big stride on him. And although Reach for the Moon momentarily struck the front, Claymore just stayed on much the stronger and was probably just going away a bit at the finish. So, so no, Back to Frankie Dettori, though, uh, Simon. Um, as they, they, they illustrated on the TV, if he'd have stayed put, a huge great gap opened up right on the rails and he could have come straight through. Yeah. You know, if, if, well, he had, if he had to go in, you know, if he, if he was going well enough to do it. But, uh, you know, by then he was far, he was out on the, on the other side, so he couldn't. No, he couldn't. And, and Burning Victory came through with a run up that running rail and there was plenty of space, but um, that's hindsight, really. I don't yeah, think he could have yeah. gone there, actually. And uh, he was just looking for a split, mm. which never really... Uh, happen for him, and uh, you know, I, I think there were there were obviously uh, there was obviously an atmosphere, put it like that, between John Goston and Frankie Dettori after the race, and uh, what with the uh, Lord North situation, and of course Emily Upjohn in the Oaks as well missed the break, yeah. came wide and didn't quite win the Oaks. So it's uh, there's been a, a string of failures now in in races that are really important. So it must be very frustrating for them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. But we've still got day four and day five, haven't we? So you never know. You never know, in indeed. And um, on Saturday, I mean, it's been very hot all week, hot and dry. Earlier in the week, there was a, a suggestion there might be a bit of rain um, on Saturday, um, tomorrow. And according to my weather app, on my phone it doesn't seem quite so sure now but you just don't know when it's so hot you know there's always the chance of a, a thunderstorm which could just um, change the ground a little bit yeah i, I think it, i think it's quite pertinent for the hardwick stakes tomorrow because um hurricane lane is making his uh, reappearance and and this was a grand horse last season and he probably would appreciate a little bit of rain. That would help him a little bit. But uh, mm. it's fourth, third in the arc. Um, won the St. Ledger, of course. Um, he won the Irish Derby. He was third in the Derby behind his stable companion, Adair. I mean, what's not to like about this horse? He's so genuine. He settles. He switches off beautifully. and He's just a real push-button ride. And uh, you'd have thought that in the Hardwick, he'd be almost unbeatable were it not for the fact that it is first time out and um, the ground might be a bit quick for him unless the Eddie Rain does arrive but uh, he'd probably cope anyway he's probably got I suppose um, 
third realm was very impressive at Goodwood the other day. Moster Def uh, is a is a pretty good horse. They're putting cheek pieces on him for the first time, which is is interesting because he couldn't live with Baybridge at Sandown and the Brigadier Gerard last time. But he's still a pretty good horse, Moster Def. But on all known form, you'd have to say that Hurricane Lane would take the beating there. But you know he's probably going to start quite a short price. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, the I'll tell you what I've gone for tomorrow because I've got my tips sorted out for um, sportinglife.com. I've had a couple of winners this week, but not um, not big enough prices. Mm. And missed out with Deauville Legend on Thursday at 14 to 1, which was a bit frustrating. But uh, tomorrow I've gone for um, a filly called Star Girls Almal in the Jersey Stakes. Uh, trained by Henry de Promhead, who, of course, we we associate more with the Cheltenham Festival or the Grand National, don't we? Yeah, but, yeah, we do. This ran very well in the um, Irish 1000 guineas, didn't really get the best of runs. And she finished behind, well, obviously, Homeless Songs was an impressive winner, but she's finished just behind Tuesday, who's won the Oaks since, and Concert Hall, who, who ran pretty well in the Oaks as well. I think the form's pretty strong, and... Also, the, the drop back from a mile to seven furlongs probably is going to suit her. And she, um, you know, she gets the Phillies allowance. And I think that she comes into the race with some of the best form on offer and uh, probably improving a little bit as well. So I quite like Star Girls, Al Mal in the jersey. And then we've got the, the second big Australian sprint hope of the week, of course, after Nature Strip's uh, romp in the King's Stand Stakes. And the runner here for Chris Waller, and jockey James McDonald is home affairs, and he actually beat Nature Strip in the Black Caviar Lightning Stakes at Flemington in February, uh, getting a bit of weight for age. It's a little bit confusing with the um, the different hemispheres because he's down as a three-year-old in this race, and it's a race for four-year-olds only. But maybe, maybe he is a four-year-old in Australia. It's a little bit confusing, I think. But anyway. This horse is a very good sprinter as well. He was beaten last time out in a very um, valuable race called the New Market Handicap, a really major race in Australia. But he was giving weight to some older horses, and it was a bit of a mess of a race because they split up into a couple of groups, and um, he probably wasn't seen quite at his best there. But uh, he could take a lot of beating again, Home Affairs, but there's plenty of op opposition. There's, uh, you know, there's the, the horse that won the Prix de Labbe, a case of you, seems to come good on the big days. A creative force won a couple of races at Ascot last season, including at this meeting in the Jersey Stakes. And uh, also you've got Campanelle or Campanelle for the Wesley Ward team, and uh, she's won at the last couple of Royal Ascots, um, just uh, scraped home last season from um, um, Dragon Symbol in the Commonwealth Cup, but uh, actually it was a Stewart's Inquiry, and I think Dragon Symbol was first past the post, and Campanelli got the race on the Stewart's or something. Uh, let me just uh, check on that. Um, Yes, she was second behind Dragon Symbol in the Commonwealth Cup and got the race after a Stewart's inquiry. She was rather carried across the course. So, yeah. you know, you've got to respect her. But I think the Australian horse could be good enough again there. Um, very decent horse indeed. Mm -hmm. And then we've got, to, for the next selection I've made in the Wokingham, I've gone for a horse called Bielsa, who bolted up in the Air Gold Cup last September when running a solo on the stands rail. Yeah. And he really seemed to enjoy that. And he's got a very good draw in the Wokingham. He's drawn 30s, one off the stands rail at Ascot now. 
and I just wonder if the tactics might be replicated where he'll just cling to that stands rail. I think he'll be quick enough to get across from that one horse that's just drawn uh, on his um, on the stand side, and uh, he just so showed signs of a return to form at York last time out, and he's down to a mark just two pounds higher than when he won the Air Gold Cup. And it looked a very good Air Gold Cup. He beat Great, great Ambassador, who runs in the Jubilee. And, uh, you know, I think if he reproduces that form, he, he could put up a similar performance. So Bielsa was interesting there. And in the Queen Alexandra stakes, uh, I suspect that Trushan probably won't run unless the heavens open. If he does run, then he's got to be the one to beat, but you, you suppose that he, he wouldn't. Last year's first and second stratum and calling the wind run again. Stratum's probably been laid out for the race, who so was well beaten in a listed race the other day, but I'm sure Willie Mullins would have teed him up for this. But I quite like uh, calling the wind to turn the tables. I mean, this horse, trained by Richard Hughes, he really has progressed, and after his second in the Queen Alexandra last season, he went on to win the Goodwood Stakes, and he was a very good second over a much shorter distance, mile and a half in the November Handicap, and at Newbury in another hot handicap, and he was third in the Cesarewitch. So this horse has been quite progressive. He's had a couple of runs this season, again over the shorter distance of a mile and a half, and I see him running a big race, calling the wind. He was 40 to 1 last year. He's not going to be that this time. He's about 14 to 1 um, at the moment. Uh, I see him running a good race. Uh, there are some good stayers. The Queen Alexandra has got a lot more competitive in recent years than he used to be. Falcon 8, last year's Chester Cup winner, goes for, for Dermot World. And Wordsworth for Aidan O'Brien, probably just a bit of a one-pacer at um, the level he's been running in. But, um, you know, he's a... He's a pretty decent horse and uh, was second last year behind Kamari in the Queen's Vase at this meeting. So it's, it's competitive enough, but uh, I just like calling the wind. I think he's been progressive and, you know, he really gets the trip well. Before you go then, Simon, just one uh, comment. What did you make of the, the Stewart's Inquiry situation yesterday? Well, yes, I mean, it's a moot point, isn't it? And um, it was very unfortunate for the, um, what was the called? Crispy Cat, was it? The horse that um, was yeah. very badly um, hampered, and uh, and the one behind him won. Yeah, and then Brave Nation also got yeah. very badly hampered. Yeah. He probably wouldn't have won, but I think Crispy Cat might have won. And what do you do? You know, the the Riddler under the rules. I think um, it it's just a very difficult decision whether you said that the Riddler improved his position. Um, by making that, uh, causing that interference. Um, if you take the view that Crispy Cat might have won, but for being impeded, well, then there's an argument for disqualifying the Riddler. They could have opted, the stewards, for a dangerous riding offence yeah. directed at Paul Hannigan, in which case the Riddler would have been automatically disqualified. <coughs> but generally, unless it's a very narrow margin and... And on balance, the stewards think that um, the result might have been affected. Then they don't change things round very much. And he did actually go on and win by nearly two lengths. Mm. Yeah, no, it was a con controversial <coughs> I, moment, I think, wasn't it? I think generally, you know, it, it's it's best if you don't delve too much into the hypothetical. Yeah. You know, trying to work out what might have happened. And, you know, it might be better 
I think it's better generally to respect the equity of the result, but if there's a major riding offence, then I think that's a different case. So I don't know. I think I know I'm sitting on the fence here. I don't know if I've been in the steward's box. I'm not quite sure uh, what I've done, but I, I tend to respect the result, and I, I probably would have allowed the Riddler to keep it. But uh, they could easily have gone for a dangerous riding charge. Mm. Well, of course, they did ban him for ten, <coughs> ten days. I think wasn't it? So well, you got, know, obviously yeah. he did something wrong somewhere. But um, well, he did. Yeah, he did. I mean, he broke the rules, Paul Hannigan, and ten days is a. I suppose it's a reasonably severe suspension, but for for winning at Royal Ascot, it's he'd take it. Yeah. And I think this is the problem. You see, you've got on these big occasions, you know, it, there's a tendency for jockeys to adopt a win at all costs attitude mm. because it's so important to win, and that's exactly what you don't want because one day there might be a serious accident, and it's it can be the same with the whip as well. That when when it's really important to to win you know they can just forget the whip rules i think generally the jockeys are very good nowadays with the whip you don't see too many whip offenses but um yeah that was a very controversial finish and a shock result of course a 50 to 1 winner i mean not not many not many would have seen the riddler coming no definitely not well look thank you simon that's a a very concise and brilliant uh, uh look at royal ascot for us um as I say, one more day to go now. Well, two days if you we're, we're recording this early on Friday morning. But um, yeah, let's hope we have a, a couple of couple more great days and great weather, and everybody enjoys themselves. I'm sure they will, <laughs> and sure they'll they have will. plenty of champagne along the way. I suspect. Yeah, as I well. So. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Well, thanks ever so much, Simon. Appreciate okay. you coming on. We'll speak again soon. Thank you. Thanks, lady. Cheers. Bye bye. Well, that was the Sporting Life, Simon Holt, and some uh, pretty good information there for you. If you follow it, can't guarantee they'll win, but Simon seems to have got his finger on the pulse, pretty much. And here's somebody else who's got his finger on the pulse, for sure, and that's our Colin Brown. Colin's working at Royal Ascot all week, uh, but he joins us now from the car park at Royal Ascot. Well, good morning, Colin. A glorious morning, and you're parked up at Ascot, ready for a hard day's work, no doubt. I certainly am. Yeah, I am indeed. Um, it is fantastic weather there. I mean, it's uh, very, very hot for the horses. Let's hope they all just keep nice and cool and hydrated. They mm. come into what we call like a car wash here and, and get a good soaking straight after the race. That brings their brings their um, heart rate down. So yeah, I think um, we got some great racing over the weekend to look forward to certainly. So do you want to uh, start by doing your Royal Ascot? Uh, for Saturday, and then we can uh, we can move on to your more generalised uh, selections after that, if that's okay with you. Yep, no problem at all. We'll we'll uh, start uh, then. Um... I was thinking though, before you start, could you not, uh, you know, what 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 do you think of it so far? What what we've had, Ascot? Oh, ah, fantastic! I mean, I I just wish Frankie could have got a bit handier mm. on uh, on uh, the horse in the Gold Cup. Yeah, you know, he just got trapped in. He had to come out, come out, come out, and then only got beaten two lengths. I mean, yeah, you know, I think he would have won if he could have ridden the race again. Sadly, but that's the way it goes. But it, no, it's been terrific racing here. Some great winners, great spectacles, great crowds. Um, spread it all out a little bit. It's been just a fantastic week. Absolutely brilliant week. Baird was the highlight of the first day. You have to say, absolutely hecked up. 
And there's been some decent winners. And uh, Ryan Moore rode a win- nice winner for the Charlton's yesterday, which um, which was good in the, uh, in the in the Hunt Cup, was it? Um, but it's been or in the Britannia. But it's been terrific racing, aid. It really has been a great, great week. Not exactly great for punters, though, because I've, I've only had one winner. I don't know how you've been doing, but uh, it's not been easy, I don't think. Do you? Oh, it's been very, very difficult. Really difficult. You know, it's just one of those, you know, it's just yeah. that's racing. I mean, you know, looking at it, it's just so hard, so hard. But great, great, um, a great, great spectacle and lovely to be here. Exactly. And, and you're going to finish it all off with seven winners, aren't you? That's all I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, did you want me to do Ascot um, for the listeners last or first then? I think we do Ascot last. first, don't you? Okay, let's do Ascot first. Here we go. Well, I can tell you on Saturday we've got the Chesham Stakes and uh, this is always an ultra-competitive race. Um, and I would say that uh, Ryan Moore's going to win this on Alfred Munnings. Um, it's only run once at Leopard's Town at one by four lengths. I'd say he's the best horse there at uh, at, um, the, at the races on, on Saturday for the Cheshire Stakes. He was very, very impressive. He really, really was. Um, the horse that could follow him home, mind you, is John Goldson's One World. That was impressive when it won the um, that Good Mare. Uh, it was impressive when it won at, um, at uh, Haydock Park, I think it won. And the other horse that he runs is a horse called Al Zahir. Um, and there ain't going to be a lot between them, to be honest. So I think Alfred Munnings wins the Chesham and followed home by the two get Goldstein pair, number two and number nine. Now, I hope Mary's writing all these down, bless her. Uh, I bet she's had a warmer week, rushing in the house and putting the fan on and back out in the garden. Yeah. Uh, because it has been a warm week for everybody, hasn't it? Yeah, very much so. About time too, though. Well, let's, let's, let's be fair. I know you love a little bit of sunshine. Yeah. Right, let's move, let's move on to the uh, to the Jersey Stakes. This is a brilliant race, the Jersey Stakes, and it's always a top class uh, field, to be honest. Um, and it looks a bit like the maybe improve a noble truth will go close for the Appleby Yard. You've got Moondar for the Binsel Royal Yard, but they're all. Godolphin horses, of course, um, and then Ryan Moore's on audience for Gosden and the uh, Chiefly Park colours. He's he's won it before, so it's a pretty tough little race. But there's one that could just run a big race from Lambourne, and that's a horse called Af Af. Af oh, okay, so Alf Lelia, number Alf three. Lelia, Alf Lelia, number three. Yeah. yeah. Owen Burroughs also in good form. Dane O'Neill takes the ride. I don't think that horse will be far away. Moving on, the Hardwick Stakes, a Group 2 race. Uh, that's at 3.40. Um, some good horses running here. We've got Lafayette from the Noel Mead Yard. Uh, is a bit of an outsider. We've got Solid Stone from the St. Michael Stout Yard. Same owners, of course. Solid, um, what's the name that won the derby? And, Desert um, Crown. We've got Bo- Desert Crown, should I say. <laughs> and and Broome, who's won the race before. It really is a brilliant racing. Third Realm, another one that uh, won the Derby Trial and uh, won a Goodwood last night. It's hard to pick, but I think I'm going to go Third Realm. One listed at Goodwood, you've got very good form. His third at Ascot the time before. 
third realm to win the hardwood stakes at 340. Who would have said, though, Colin, Colin, who would have said that here we are talking about the last day's racing at Ascot and young Frankie de Tori has not had a winner yet. Now, can you believe that? I know, amazing. Amazing. Um, Poor old Frankie, I feel sorry for him because he's a great rider. He's taken a bit of flat this week. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure here. It doesn't matter how good you are. There's a lot of pressure here. You know, the other jockeys ain't going to let you out. They keep you in. Yeah. And... uh, don't give you a chance of getting out to uh, win your race. So it is a lot of pressure, but you're absolutely right. You know, it's um, it's a tough one. Yeah, it is. You, you wouldn't have thought it, would you? But um, maybe, you'll, oh. maybe you'll put it all right today. Who knows? <clears throat> you never know. Couldn't make it up. In the uh, Platinum Jubilee Stakes, I think Creative Force won't be far away. He's won his last two. One at Ascot beating Glenn Shield last year. That was soft, but he does act on the firm. And then he won a Maidan. He comes here reasonably fresh horse. I'd say he has a right good chance of winning. Home Affairs is going to be the likely uh, favourite in this race at um, 4.20. And he's a horse that, uh, you know, comes in from Chris, Chris Waller's yard in Australia. And uh, he's a pretty smart animal. This. He won at Flemington and then he was beaten there last time out. But um, I think he has his excuses. And uh, back to... Uh, ask it today. I think he's got a great chance. But for me, I think the um, each way bet in the race, let's say, the each way bet probably is the horse of um, of uh, what's it called, creative force of Applebee's. Okay. On to the Wokium Impossible race. But I tell you what, oh, Ryan Moore's been re- booked for a horse that uh, took this event 12 months ago, but it Sort of needs a big step forward, really, because it was rated 112 that day, but didn't run very well last time out. But I'm sure the trainer's got this all right, and he won't be too far away. He loves a bit of a punt, old uh, David Evans. And I say this horse is in tremendous form. Um, and last year's winner, that is Rohan, won't be far away uh, in the Wokingham Stakes today. Um, chairman of the Board. <laughs> Wood board. Uh, sorry, I was just pressing on its name. Uh, chairman of the board no, might run a big race as it's well. It's just chairman, Colin. It's just just chairman. Chairman of the board. No, board. chair. It's not. It's called chairman. Oh, is it okay? Number, number eleven. Oh, number two. Tw- uh, no, no, that. Oh, well, hang on a minute. Twenty-eight. No. Yeah. I can't even find a twenty-eight, and we're in five thirty-five now. Now in the in the in the five o'clock chairman. Oh, sorry, sorry, that's my mistake. No problem. Ro- number one and twenty-eight, uh, Rohan and chairman. But you're absolutely right. In the five thirty-five, the Golden Gate handicap, there is a horse called Chairman, and it's ridden by Tom Marquand from Martin Mead. It's won its last two, and I was going to put this up anyway. I think it's got an each way chance in the race. Um, along with a couple of others in the race that looks highly competitive. But I think um, I think you'll find that um, Chairman won't be far away in this race. He is probably the one they all have to beat. Um, and look out for the good old from, you know, horses, because they are pretty good. Honington uh, won at Sandown last weekend, only a maiden, but worth considering each way. Frankie rides this one for uh, John Gosden. And then we've got the Queen Alexander Stakes, which is the longest race on the card. 
what a racist. There's Stratton ridden by William Buick. Um, I always look for jockeys in this race that have won it before. I'm looking for Ryan Moore and what's he riding? He rides a horse called Wordsworth that was uh, third at the Curra last time out over a mile and four. Steps up and trip today was fourth to Prince Zoe here uh, in April. And um, I think that will probably win Wordsworth to win the lucky last from maybe Stratum number three. Great racing. True Shannon is declared, but unless it rains, I don't think he'll be running. So I don't think we'll be seeing him here today. Tomorrow. So that winds up asking for another year. And what's the racing and what's the memories? It's fantastic. We'll have a bit of a recap on it maybe next week. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Why not? So where are you going now? Right. Lingfield? I, now, yeah, I'm going to go to Lingfield and um, at Lingfield Park. You know, the, the winners pay the same at Lingfield Park as they do at Royal Ascot. And they're a little bit easier to find, you would think. <coughs> But, um, yeah, here at Lingfield Park in the second race, it's a restricted maiden race. And um, there's one or two quite nice horses that run in this. Um, a horse is trained by Mark Johnson called Venetian, I think, might win it. He has a few first-to-mat winners. I've had a little bit of a word for this. Horse number six in the uh, 550 race down there at Lingfield Park. Right. Um, in the 620 at Lingfield, there's a horse called Forbearing who's, uh, who likes the track. He's been uh, running okay. He's trained by Tony Carroll. And he's a horse that I think has got a chance in the 620. Um, although Giggs Beach, another one uh, trained by Alice Haynes and owned by her, has got on a bit of a roll recently, and I think probably that's the one that's uh, going to beat Forbearing. Forbearing, I think, will be placed, but I don't think it will be Gigi's Beach, number one, there at Lingfield Park. Um, I am going to move to Perth now, because there's a couple I fancy up at Perth, nothing else at Lingfield. Um, and if we can find here we are, Perth, we will get stuck in and uh, give you a winner. Um, right. There's a horse that's been banging on the door, and I think it's got a chance of winning. And aptly named for the weekend, he's called Father's Advice. And he runs in the 252 uh, there at um, Perth. Father's Advice as it's Father's Day. Will you be doing some celebration? Um, I'm pass. That's all right then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> sounds a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, it's. Yeah, we're all leading too busy our lives. Anyhow, up there um, at hey, uh, up there at some Perth, should I say, in the 327, there's also Gordon Elliott coming over called Herman Clermont. Herman Clermont. That'll win, and Sean Bowen takes a ride. Herman Clermont, I think, can win there. There's um, it's some pretty good racing up there, but... Uh, Herman Clermont, I think, can win. Okay. And the other horse are quite fancy there is in the um, 407 horse called Charlie Umbaranas. Uh, this horse ran a real good second at Cartmel. Probably found the track a little bit sharp, but that was a good run. And I, 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 providing it comes out of that, you know, 
Okay, I think it, when it was second appointment, point, second at Kelso, it's a bit, you know, it's a bridesmaid that needs to go to the wedding, and I think it will today in the 407 there at, um, at um, Perth. So, listeners, that is your lot for Saturday's racing. And enjoy Royal Ascot, and uh, God, we have got some fantastic uh, weekend of racing to look forward to. Absolutely, Colin. Thank you very much. Let's hope you've got some winners there. And um, as you say, let's hope that Royal Ascot can finish in a blaze of glory. And uh, and maybe Frankie might just, just pick up the odd winner. It'd be nice to see him get something, I think. I uh, know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody we loves won. him doing his jumping, you know, his fly and jump off the horse when he wins a big race. And, uh, yeah, you miss it when he doesn't do it, don't you? I know. I know. I know. But... Let's hope um, that he does. Yeah, indeed. Let's hope so. And we will catch up with Thank you me. next week, sir. We certainly will, old boy. Okay. Good to speak. Listeners, have a great weekend. Mary, hope you're back a few winners. And we'll speak to you soon. Take uh, care. Thanks, Colin. See you soon. Bye-bye. Well, that was a hard-working Colin Brown. And now we're going to catch up with our resident uh, flat expert, and that's Richard Phillips. Well, good morning, Richard. How are you? Enjoying Royal good Ascot? Good Yeah, I'm fine. Are you enjoying Royal Ascot? Yeah, it's an amazing meeting as ever. It's the greatest racing in the world on a flat, and it's very much an international event these days, so it's been a hell of a week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm talking of an international event, the one, that, that Japanese horse, what a picture of a horse that was. Didn't win mine, yeah, but... It, no, it was a gorgeous-looking horse, but it's it's a big ask coming over from uh, another country to come to another to another racing uh, area, and you know, at certain times of the year, they come out of uh, seasons, as it were. And their race horses are very much like pot plants. You know, you can't move them around too often. No, and, quite. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's a better horse than the one he showed the other day. Um, Bay Bridge was uh, the favourite. He got beaten as well. I think he needs a bit further. But, but yeah, I, it's very difficult for a horse to come over and do that. Having said that, the Australian sprinter did that. But uh, cut long story short, you know, they are coming from other countries, different seasons, a gorgeous-looking horse. And um, he's won nice races before, and he'll run, win nice races again. But it just wasn't his show this year. What was the outstanding horse that you've seen so far? Well, great question because Baid is obviously the best horse rated in the world, and he just—he's by See the Stars, and See the Stars was a similar style of horse. He just came there cruising, but only really did enough once he hit the front. But Baid, it's been pushed to say there was a better horse than that there this week, but uh, that was a, a very impressive performance really, and he looks as though he's going to step up in distance later on this season. But you know, there's been some really nice performances this this week, but uh, I think Baid's probably the best horse there. And what about Stradivarius? I mean, uh, do you put that down to, you know, bad tactics or what? Well, I think uh, the trainer's trying to do that. Um, the jockey's trying to not say that, but cut long story short, I think um, it's a bit of both, really. I think he's a great horse. He probably doesn't have the same sort of uh, gear as he used to have. Now he's uh, he's an eight-year-old, but um, I think Jay Gosden was a bit um, perturbed that Frankie wasn't close to this pace, but to be fair to Frankie, this horse, when he hits the front, he again is by see the stars, and when he hits the front, he does tend to sort of say he's done enough, so Frankie said he had plenty of time to get there if he, if he was good enough yesterday, but um, I must admit, as you get older, you need to be probably a bit closer to the pace, and 
it just wasn't that lucky yesterday. But uh, it was a shame. But it was a good winner in Kiprios. Uh, so, you know, they've gone and um, the Ballydore team have come up trumps in a real stayer there. So now we're up to day five. What 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 are your uh, recommendations for day five then? What do you, what do you think can win? Well, the last the last day of Ascot it used to be called the Heath Day, and of course it's now Royal Ascot. And uh, Alfred Munnings is an interesting horse. He's by Dubarwi. Uh, so uh, you don't mean to see many horses that bred by Bally Doyle that by Dubawi, but this horse is very impressive on his debut, and he's a very short price favourite for the Chesham, uh, the seven furlong um, listed race that starts the day off. So I, I would have thought he'd be a very hard horse to beat. Um, later on, we've got Hurricane Lane in the Hardwick. Of course, he was a very, very good horse last year, and he ended up being third in the art, but he looks a top-class horse for Charlie Appleby and the Godolphin team, and he's going to be very hard to beat as well. And the Platinum Jubilee, they, they have a favourite there. The um, Home Affairs, Chris Waller's horse, Home Affairs, comes from Australia, ridden by James McDonald, who's ridden a couple of winners here already. He's a world-class jockey. He won the Royal Hunt Cup for Charlie Hills uh, on Dark Shift, and Home Affairs looks like a, a real flying machine in the Platinum Jubilee stakes, the Group 1-6 furlongs. Um, and as for the other races, they're very, very open. Um, there's the Wokingham and there's 28 runners in that one. Very difficult to pick the winner of that one. Yeah. And the last race of the card, I think there should be more races like that. The Queen Alexander, the two-mile five, flat race. I love a staying flat race. And uh, if the rains come, Trushan's in there. Of course, he missed the Gold Cup. He's got to have a bit of cut in the ground. But if the rains don't come, again, it's going to be a difficult one. But I believe Wordsworth is fancied big time to be stepping up in trip in the Queen Alexander. But um, the end of the week, and again, having fantastic horses, very competitive racing, and it really is racing as it should be. It's it's fast ground, but it's watered, and the best horses are winning, and it's uh, a real spectacle. And it's a shame that Her Majesty didn't have a winner this week. Um, mm. set Saga came second, named after her favourite holidays, yeah. and uh, Rich Poon yeah. uh, was second. He's odds on favourite, but... I don't think he's quite come to himself this year. Reese from the Moon, I think he's a better horse than that. Maybe in the autumn he's a better horse. But knowing Her Majesty, she'll, she'll, she loves the sport and she knows it's, it's just sport. And to be com- involved and being competitive at the Royal Meeting is what every owner wants to do. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's been hard, hasn't it? I mean, looking, looking at it over the whole week, I've only had one winner so far. Um, and, you know, no, two, I think, now, actually. But uh, it, it has been harder. When you get 28 field, uh, twenty eight runner fields, I mean, it's, it's that much harder, isn't it? Yeah, you should do what I do, Adrian. Just watch it. Yeah. Bet. But I must start shift and secret state where two horses I saw win at Nottingham a few weeks ago and I thought they looked like Royal Ascot horses. And they've actually they, they won very competitive fields. But, yeah, it's, it's best just watching on the whole. Um, it's just such a spectacle. And they're very hard horses to, to, you know, very hard races to win for these horses. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to it's hard to pick a winner. Well, thank you for your time, Richard. We appreciate it, and look forward to speaking to you again next week. No, look forward to it. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you. Cheers, Richard. Bye bye. Well, that was Richard Phillips, and now we're going to catch up with Dave Wilson at Harlequin Racing. Well, good morning, Dave. How are you this morning? Yes, very well, Adrian. We've had a lovely week of uh, weather, but Saturday's a little bit unpredictable at the moment. Mm, it it looks like mid-morning we're going to be getting some uh, hefty old showers coming in. So mm. we've uh, taken that into account, but obviously, given the tips the day before, we've got a 
hope and pray we've got the forecast right. And uh, if we haven't got it right, people will have to look at the races and uh, make an assumption on uh, yeah. what actually happens during the morning. It's uh, one of them tricky ones to be doing it in advance and knowing that the weather forecast isn't that great. That's right, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. But we'll, uh, we'll have a little look through and what we've picked out at the moment. Uh, so we'll start off with the 2.30 and we like Crypto Force. Uh, Ross Orion takes the ride for Mickey O'Callaghan and one run state, one win and he easily beat uh, an Aidan O'Brien horse called August uh, Roden and uh, he looked a very, very good prospect on that day and on that run so uh, Augusta Roden was a 4-6 to six favourite in that race obviously the O'Brien stable fought a lot of that horse and uh, the favourite in this race coming up is going to be uh, Snowfall's uh, brother half-brother Alfred Munnings so obviously Aidan O'Brien's going to have a finger on the pulse with form obviously having had Crypto Force beat one of his runners he'll know where he sits with uh, Alfred Munnings basically so it's uh, a little bit of watch betting in market but we think Crypto Force is quite capable and he's priced up at 10 to 1 with Bet365 at the moment and uh, there's four places on offer for the each way bet on Crypto Force uh, Alfred Munnings, as we say, was Snowfall's half-brother and she was the Oaks winner last year, so he'll definitely get the seven furlongs, but he may well want, may well want further in time, but Crypto Force certainly looks uh, business over the seven furlong trip. Right, OK. Moving down to the 305 race, Samburu. Uh, Frankie takes the ride for Gosden's. Uh, obviously, Frankie's not having the, the greatest of times at Ascot this week. He just keeps it in the crossbar. But this one's had uh, three runs and three wins at the moment. Uh, won all four, all three of them with plenty left in the locker, as they say. Last time out, he beat a horse called Snooze You Lose. And that's come out and won a class one listed very easily up at Musselboro. One by two lengths, but could have won by a lot further. Now, this is a Kingsman colt, and he's having first-time cheek pieces added to him because he's been running a little bit lazily. We're saying that, three runs, three wins, and he's been convincing in all three of them. And they feel that he needs cheek pieces on because he's not putting all the effort in. It's uh, a little bit eye-opening, really. So price up 8-1 with William Hills, five places on offer. We think it, it throw in a very, very good performance. So that's Sam Burra in the 305. Okay. 340 race, Hurricane Lane is the selection here. Will Buick, Charlie Appleby, had eight races today. He's won six of them. He's been beaten twice, once in the Derby and once in the Arc de Triomphe. So uh, he's been only beaten in the very, very best races that have been available and around. Now, this fella's a little bit unknown on good to firm going. We don't know what he's going to be like, and he certainly would appreciate some rain coming down. So this is the first one of the bets that we're putting caution on. If it stays good to firm and the rain don't come before his race, I wouldn't be wanting to take him on at 8 to 11 and backing him at that price. I'd rather be backing something else in the race. But with the forecast that we've looked at, it certainly looks like there's going to be rain about. So we're going to side up at the moment with Hurricane Lane. But as I say, it's, it's one of their usual initiative look at the weather, see what rain's come down and see what rain's not come down. If it hasn't come down, don't back him at 8 to 11. He's not a value bet at that price, but he needs if the rain arrives. Okay, fine. Moving down to the 420 race, uh, one we really like here is the Aussie Horse Home Affairs. 
James McDonald, a New Zealand lad, takes the ride for the Aussie trainer Chris Waller. Now, this fella raced at Flemington and he beat Nature Strip. Now, Nature Strip ran in the King's Stand on uh, Tuesday and won that by four and a half lengths. So if you can put a horse in front of that fella that's got form in the book and he's done it, I think it's a tremendous bet. He's, he's priced up at around about two to one with bet three, six, five at the moment. And he just looks on form to me, looks a little bit unbeatable really on there because Major Strip looked very, very impressive on day one at the Ascot Festival. So uh, we'll be going with Home Affairs in the 420. Right. And moving down to the five o'clock race, uh, we've got First Folio. Takes a ride for James Ferguson. Now, I own a toenail on this one, or a hair nostril, I think. I'm not too sure how, how much I own of him, but it's only a little micro share that we've got in him. But we know full well that he's been laid out for this race, and is uh, another one that's going to want a little bit of water coming out of the sky. He's a dark angel lad, so he, he wants a little bit of given the ground. He won't want it rock solid, so another one to be careful of, but he's had two prep runs this season and he's, he's run very well in both of them. And James Ferguson's had one runner at the Ascot Festival and it got beat at short head in a photo finish yesterday at 14 to 1. So Daniel Muscat's in good form, Stable's in great form, first folio's priced up at 14 to 1 and there's seven places on offer with Bet365 and we're thinking of certainly being one of them. But as I say, it's another one that we want a little bit of rain for, so just keep an eye out for that. So that's the five o'clock first folio. Okay. Moving down to the 535. Now, this is going to be my biggest bet of the week. A uh, horse called Honington. Going to be ridden by Frankie Victoria, trained by the Gosdens. He won in a canter at Sandown last week, and he won by nine lengths. And uh, he's got some real solid form, if you have a look at it. He, 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 he run behind Secret State. Now, Secret State come out and won uh, King, King, King Andrew yesterday off of a handicap mark of 93. And uh, he's also got a line of form where he runs three lengths behind Mike Prospero with William Haggis at Newbury. Now, Mike Prospero come out and he was third. He, he got beat quarter of a length in the St. James Palace Group 1 on uh, day one of the festival. And in that race, uh, Mike Prospero won it. Thesis was second. That came out and won the Britannia Stakes at Ascot yesterday. And uh, Honington was just in behind them. So uh, he's got a handicap mark of 94 after his massive win at Sandown last week. But he's priced up at 15-2 to two with William Hills at the moment. And I just cannot see him being out of frame. But I think he'll personally win it quite nicely. Uh, as I say, it's going to be my biggest bet of the Ascot week, and that's Honington in the 535. OK, fine. Uh, moving on to the last race, uh, the 610. We're going to side up with Trushan, Holly Doyle and Alan King. Uh, now, the trainer states, if the going is good to firm, this will not run. So if you're going to have a bet before, before Saturday morning... Make sure that you've got non-runner no bet on your thing because the trainer has stated if the rain doesn't arrive, the horse will become a non-runner. Now, this fella is he's unbeaten since he's been over two miles on turf. He's had four runs, four wins, and uh, he's, he's a staying champion of all of them at the moment. He beat Stradivarius in all, all three races that they met in last year. So uh, he is certainly a, a very good very good horse. He priced up at 11 to 8 at the moment with a couple of firms and it's 
they're not playing the non-runner no better at the moment, so just be aware. So that I change this evening around about six o'clock, it becomes a non-runner no bet. So just check when you're having your bets and when you're putting them on. But True Shan is 11 to 8 at the moment, and as you say, so he needs a rain dance, and uh, we shall go with him in the last race there. Okay, Dave. Thank you very much indeed. It's been a an event for um, Ascot, that's for certain. What did you What did you think of yeah. the um, the the uh, Stewart's inquiry situation yesterday? The Riddler. Well, I've always disagreed with if a horse causes interference and it it stops another horse gaining its best position in the race. Now there was two horses that finished third and fourth to the Riddler who would have beaten the horse that comes second so the owners have not got the true result that they should have had now yeah the Riddler caused the interference but the stewards inquiry rules should really be changed because the horses at the third and fourth should have been second and third and the horse that actually finished second should really have finished fourth so there, there seems to be an error there that it's not just and it, it's not fair if uh, Steve Cawthon was on telly yesterday and he was asked a question what would happen if this, that had happened in America he said no question the horse would have been thrown out yeah, yeah. So if, if in America it would have been thrown out why is it not thrown out in the UK yeah. we, you can't have these ancient rules that the horses won the race he caused massive interference oh yeah, it, yeah. he didn't it, it wasn't a true result reading through first, second, third and fourth. So on one hand, yes, he was the best horse in the race. On the other hand, he's caused other horses that should have got more prize money for their owners and they haven't got it, but then he should have been thrown out. How's the jockey been given a 10-day suspension if it wasn't hmm. uh, an unjust result? Yeah. Yeah. So it's one, well, one thing doesn't add up with the other. Well, it certainly seems from all of our correspondents that have come on that most of them agree with you that it should have been thrown out, I think. And uh, But there we go, that's racing and there's not much we can do about it. So uh, what will be will be, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things. Anyway, yeah. thanks for that, Dave. We will catch up with you again next week. And uh, it's gonna yeah. next week's going to seem awfully dull, really, after this lot, isn't it? But never mind. Never mind. Yeah, no worries. Okay. Okay, mate. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks Cheers. a lot. Cheers, Dave. Bye. Bye. Done, mate. Bye. Well, that was Dave Wilson, and uh, basically that brings us to the end of the show because we've been unable to catch up with Jamie Snowden after all. But uh, it's been a pretty full program and plenty of advice as to what to back uh, at Royal Ascot, and we, of course we've been on every day this week with a little preview show. So we hope you've had some winners. Uh, it's been hard. There's no doubt. It's been hard. But it's been a festival of racing and there's no mistake in that. So, uh, and I'm sure it'll carry on right to the end on Saturday night. So uh, thank you for listening. Join us again next week. Usual time, usual station. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.